वसुदेवसुत कंसचाणोरमर्दनम देवकनंदम कृष्ण वंदे जगद्गु Can you hear me? Can everybody hear me? At the back? I don't know why I I can't hear myself. Oh now now it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Before we start, we had uh, I had a very interesting experience uh, this evening. There's this uh, a conference at uh, NYU in the philosophy department on the hard problem of consciousness. many of you know what it is thanks to me <laughs> i've been going on and on boring you about it and today the discussion was the advaita vedanta answer to it and so a professor from um, australia all the way from australia miri albahari she came and she gave a talk some of us we went to attend it some of you are here who we went we were there together they were thinking who are these strange people um so imagine the top people in in philosophy especially in philosophy of mind ned block and others i mean these are names to be reckoned with so they uh, they were there and what we are studying here that was being presented there in in um more philosophical language when the presentation was going on i was so delighted you know the things that she was saying are almost if you put them in sanskrit that's exactly what shankaracharya was saying 1400 years ago exactly the same things Not only that, it's a tough crowd. Somebody said it's a tough sell. Obviously, they, you don't expect them to buy it or immediately be, <laughs> uh, to take up, take it up. But even the questions they asked and the hard questions they asked, uh, they don't know exactly. Those questions have been asked by the opponents of the Advaitins over the last fourteen hundred years, and there are excellent answers to them. I'm not sh- saying that it's all solved and cut and dried. Of course not. But I think there are good answers to that. In fact, afterwards, I was talking to some of the philosophers and saying that you're trying to put me out of a job. <laughs> I was feeling happy at the same time. I was feeling as though I thought maybe I should retire, go back to the Himalayas. The Americans can take care of themselves. Now they are doing it in the in NYU. So why should I? Why should we have a Vedanta society for it? <laughs> Incredible! I was so happy to see this. Um, in fact, what we are going to talk about today. is directly related to the discussions that were that was going on at that time and, and as a result as a sort of um consequence of that i nearly did not make it to the class i came out of nyu then i got went into washington park and then i came out and i got lost so i wandered around a little bit here and there with uh, time running out for the class and i thought no need to get anxious because nothing's going to happen unless i get there so <laughs> nothing interesting is going to happen unless i reach but i did manage to come back um i said last time that the verse that we are going to do now the 16th verse of the second chapter is a very important verse and philosophically speaking at least from the non-dual perspective it's the heart of the bhagavad gita i'm using my words carefully philosophically speaking from the non-dual perspective If you are asking for practical advice in spiritual life, there are other verses which will be very useful. For karma yoga, something like karma nirvadikara state that is a central verse. What do I do? I don't want all this philosophy. How do I lead my life? 
Krishna will say at the very end, Sarva Dharvan Parityajya, give up all other practices, take refuge in me. So practical spiritual advice, there are other verses. This will seem very theoretical. But this is fundamental to the whole of Advaita Vedanta, this verse. What does this verse say? It can be said easily. The central teaching of Advaita Vedanta. Brahman is real, the world is an appearance, and you are Brahman. Many, many of you are like, yeah, we know that. You should have been there at the seminar. <laughs> Just each of these things is taken, was taken up and uh, shredded. <laughs> um, for a person coming from, say, a materialist, reductionist background, this is a crazy thing to say, an incredible thing to say. But this is the central message of Advaita Vedanta. Sri Ramakrishna, he was asked, please teach me spirituality in one sentence. So the person who asked that was wise because otherwise the whole of the gospel of Ramakrishna, several hundred pages, 800 pages, 900 pages is the teaching of Ramakrishna. But one sentence, tell me all of spirituality in one sentence. And Sri Ramakrishna looked at that man and he said, Brahman is real. The world is an appearance. Assimilate this truth. And then the writer, no less than Swami Brahmananda, he says, saying this, Sri Ramakrishna kept quiet. He says this also. That means, emphasizes it, that Sri Ramakrishna did not add anything more to it. Brahman is the reality. The world is an appearance. In Bengali he said, assimilate this. This is enough for, for, for enlightenment. This verse says it. This verse is for the first time. What is going on here? Krishna is talking about the Vedanta theory of the self. Who are we? And he has said that we do not die with the death of the body. Remember the last few verses? But now he is coming to the, the central teaching. There is one reality which appears as this universe. And you are that reality. Brahma Satyam. Brahman is real. Jagat Mithya, the universe is an appearance. And what about you? Jiva Brahmevanapara. You are none other than uh, that, that absolute reality. I was just thinking, it will make you smile. The language the professor was using to say exactly this thing. Um, she was saying that um, Advaita says there is an aperspectival ground of consciousness. And that appears as uh, perspectival subjects. Basically, this is the same thing. Um, this central teaching, that has been set forth for the first time in this verse. And as you can imagine, Shankaracharya, the great teacher of Advaita Vedanta, he is very, very happy with this verse. So today, we are going to not only read the verse um, and the, the basic meaning behind it, but I'm going to take you into what I usually do not do, into the original commentary of Shankaracharya on this verse. So we'll do a close reading of his commentary. It's fantastic. And it has tremendous implications for, uh, for philosophy. Uh, the, the commentary itself is so wonderful. And the great thing is, not only is the truth stated here, teaching given here, it is argued out, and it is also shown how you can directly experience it here and now and forever. So that's what's given here. Um, there's a story which goes 
you know, Mahabharata was written by Vyasa, the great poet and sage. And remember the story, all the very nice stories. So Mahabharata, he needed somebody to take it down, you know, to write it down. Uh, um, what, what do you call it? A stenographer? A scribe? Uh, and uh, so who, who does he get? Ganesha. So Ganesha is the scribe. With his elephant head and his, his enormous processing capacity. He is the scribe. And Vyasa is, a, is the person who's composing and giving out poetry as it comes to him, all in the form of poetry. And this greatest of all epics. But Vyasa knew that... Um, um, oh, Ganesha sets a, sets a condition. I will write it down, but you have to keep on composing and telling me the verses. It can't be like, you, you can't take a break. And I'll keep writing. If the moment you stop, I will also stop. And the moment I stop, that's it, I'm done. Um, Vyasa is no less. He said, okay, I, I agree to your conditions. But I have a condition of my own. And the condition is, um, if there is, okay. Uh, the condition is, you must understand what you are writing. You must understand before, uh, before you write it down. Once you have understood it, write it down. Don't write without understanding. And on purpose, Vyasa would once in a while compose a verse very difficult to understand. So that Ganesha would go, mm-hmm. And Vyasa would take a breath, a breather, you know. <laughs> but very soon Ganesha is at it. Got it. And he starts writing. <laughs> so there are those verses. So this is a story. It's just a story to show that there are difficult verses. They're called knots, granthi. And they are the places where you have to really pay attention because something deep is being said, said here. Untie it at that point, the whole thing becomes revealed to you. One of those verses is it. There are others. You will often find them by their deceptively simple appearance and yet paradoxical statement. And sometimes paradoxical or here it will seem tautological. Stating the absolute obvious. So what does he mean? Let's see. Please repeat after me. Nasato vidyate bhavo. Nasato vidyate bhavo. Nabhavo vidyate sataha. Nabhavo vidyate sataha. Ubhayora pidrishtuantaha. Ubhayora pidrishtuantaha. Stvanayostat. The unreal never comes into existence and the real never goes out of existence. Those who are truly wise, they have understood these two. The unreal as the unreal and the real as the real. Those who are truly wise, they have understood these two. Now on the face of it, it's strangely what philosophers call tautological, stating the obvious. One is one. A is A. It's tautological. That you're stating the obvious. Real is real, unreal is unreal. That's all. It's wise to know, know what is real and what is unreal. I have to go a little deeper. What does he want to say here? This is the philosophy of being, the philosophy of existence. Remember, there can be an approach to Brahman from Sat, existence from chit, consciousness, and also from ananda, value or bliss. This is, an this is an approach from existence, what is, from isness. 
Now, one way, I'll give you a simple explanation before we launch into what Shankaracharya does. One explanation is this. One way of explaining it is this. I have often mentioned, you can think of it in this way, things have intrinsic properties and incidental properties. So I've often given you the example of, of a hot potato, potato which is being boiled. So it's hot, but it's hot only temporarily. It was not hot to begin with, and it will not be hot a little later. It's only when you're serving it hot. Now, it gains heat and loses heat. So the heat in the potato, it's not, it's not intrinsic to the potato. It's not always hot. Where did it get its heat from? It's a borrowed heat. It got its heat from the boiling water. And the boiling water similarly is not intrinsically hot. It is hot now, but it was not hot earlier. And it will not be hot later on. That heat does not belong to the water. It borrowed it from the hot pan. Similarly, the pan. It was, it was cold. Um, it borrowed its heat from the fire underneath. But the fire did not borrow its heat from anywhere else. <coughs> it has its own its intrinsic heat. Now, look at, notice what happens to the fire. As long as it is burning, it is hot. It is a very simple example. It is hot. It does not become hot and does not become cold. As long as the fire is there, it is hot. And it can lend its heat to others. So, a sign of a borrowed property, incidental property, accidental property, is that it comes and goes. The pan was cold, it became hot and lost the heat. The water became hot and lost the heat. The, the potato, it became hot and lost the heat. But the fire never became hot, hot and lost the heat. Whenever it was there, it, it was hot. So the sign of an intrinsic property is that it does not come and go. The sign of an incidental property. You know what is meant by incidental? Not essential to the nature of the thing. It's borrowed. It comes and goes. So somebody says, in Manhattan you don't know who is rich. Because everybody acts rich and spends a lot of money. But some, they own that money, some they're, it's they're running on, they're maxing out their credit cards. <laughs> so, only when it's repossessed, the, the people who, who have lent you money, they come to take away the stuff. Then you realize, oh, it was borrowed money. It came and went. But it does not belong to that person. Similarly about heat. Now, if this is, this much, you take away this much. If there is something called an intrinsic property, it will be there always. If there is something called an accidental or incidental property, it can come and go. The sign of it being an incidental property is it comes and goes. Now, think of existence. Can existence be a property? That's a different issue altogether. Because uh, there's a lot of philosophy. We might not know it. Philosophers would immediately object. But anyway, consider existence. Suppose existence is an incidental property. I'm telling you something which is common sense, but I'm putting it in a little philosophical language. Suppose existence is an incidental property. What would happen to it if heat is an... What happened to the heat in the potato or the water or the pan? It comes and goes. If existence were like that, it would come and go. When heat comes and goes, the object becomes hot and cold. If existence comes and goes, what would happen to the object? It would be born, it would die, or it would be created, it would, it, would, it would come into being, it would go out of being. Right? Are you with me? If existence is like that, if, it comes, if something gains existence, it's a, it's a fancy way of saying it is created or born. 
If something loses existence, it's a philosophical way of saying that it is destroyed or dead. Which means being born and dying, being created and destroyed, coming into being and disappearing. These are signs that this, these entities have borrowed existence. Existence does not belong to them. Incidental. The incidental existence, accidental existence, borrowed existence. Existence does not belong to them. And what are we talking about? Just about everything in the world, including here, us, our bodies. Everything is created. Products are created, bodies are created and destroyed. The entire universe, in fact, is created in the Big Bang and every artifact in it is created and destroyed. Every entity that we know comes into being and is lost. So they do not have existence as an intrinsic property. But suppose there is something called that, that, uh, something which has existence as an intrinsic property. Suppose. What would happen to it? What would happen to it? It would be there always. It would never be born, never die. Just as fire, whenever fire is there, fire is hot. In the same way, if existence were an intrinsic property, then that entity would be there always. What he is saying here is, there is such a thing, which has existence as an intrinsic property, and it's you, the real you. And he will show it now. He will demonstrate it. He says, he, it's actually we, it is there, it's an open secret. Not exactly in front of our noses. Rather, we have to say behind our noses, let's say. It's there all the time, an open secret. We just have to see it. He's going to show us now. So that's the whole story behind it. He's going to show us what we call our immortal soul, that we are Brahman. He's going to show that to us. Okay. He said, the unreal has no existence, or does not come into existence, and the real never goes out of existence. He uses words asat and sat. Now, there are, think of three kinds of entities. One is in Advaita Vedanta, which has intrinsic existence. That means it never goes out of existence, it always is. You would say that it's good to say such a thing, you've defined it. Is there actually such a thing? Yes, there is. We'll see today. Right today, we'll see right here. There is such a thing. And it's been within everybody's experience. Now, that thing is, that ultimate reality is Brahman is Sat. That the name for that is Sat, pure being, existence, pure being, Sat. So he uses that word Sat. We, are, we have also heard Satchidananda, Brahman is defined as existence, consciousness, place. So that word is used, Sat. That is the ultimate reality. The opposite of that is the uh, absolutely unreal, which has no existence at all. So like a square circle, for example. Or the classical example they give is Bandhyaputra, the son of a barren woman. By definition, impossible. A square circle, by definition impossible. So something that can never, that does not exist and can never appear. Does not exist, cannot appear. There's no question of it experiencing such a thing. It's a logical impossibility. But in between these two, the absolutely real and the totally unreal, in between these two, there's another category which has borrowed existence. So which comes into existence and disappears. 
that's that in between category in vedanta is called mithya things with borrowed existence things which do, are not intrinsically real they borrow their reality for a time being mithya what is the difference between absolutely real and this this in between category this english translation would be the false would be an appearance would be false how do you distinguish between existence that which really exists sat and this um mithya sat always exists never goes out of existence and the mithya is something which does not exist yet appears to exist for a time being with borrowed existence where does it borrow its existence from it borrows its existence from sat i'll repeat mithya the false the the apparent reality in for a time being it appears before us the absolutely unreal never appears as nobody has actually seen a square circle but we have uh, this is not not uh, crazy because we have such a experiences a mirage water in the mirage it you see it seems like existing there when you go close you see it doesn't exist uh, um, the classic example of seeing a snake in a rope so it appears for a moment you saw you thought you thought you saw it but when you go close it's not there so there is a category of things which are which appear without existing and for the time being they seem to exist and their existence is borrowed so that category is called mithya and shankaracharya wants to say whatever we experience in the world is in that category they all have borrowed existence they do not exist by themselves they will not exist after some time and even when most important even when they seem to exist when they seem to appear before you right now they do not exist by themselves they are borrowing their existence from sat from brahman all right how is this possible he takes this track see this verse is about reality and unreality sat the technical term is mithya the word he uses for mithya here is asat why this has to be said is those who have studied vedanta for them asat does not mean mithya they talk about absolutely real sat the false mithya and the totally unreal asat so here asat does not mean totally unreal this is what i wanted to point out here asat means false when you say the world is false shankaracharya is calling it asat here but in vedanta textbooks asat means square circle nothing he does not mean that so that's what has to be clear all right now we go in we know enough to go into shankaracharya's explanation he takes yes 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 all entities which are called mithya are products of maya maya presents brahman the sat the pure being as the ever changing world yeah so therefore everything that we see here everything that shankaracharya calls mithya is maya in fact it's a common phrase in india sab maya hai <laughs> people will repeat repeat it in villages they they have not gone through all this philosophy but it's just a sort of you know catch phrase you know like life is like that uh, so sab maya everything is maya literally it means everything is maya but but when somebody says that his what he he or she means in india is just let it go it's just like that Uh, don't start philosophizing with that person he'll be he'll be puzzled <laughs> all right 
Now the track Shankaracharya takes is, how do you borrow existence? It's cool to talk about borrowing existence as if, but is it possible? Is it, what, what do you mean borrow existence? It happens all the time. Where does it happen? Cause and effect. Material cause and effect. So clay, clay, when you shape it into a pot, you call it a pot, but the pot, which has a name, a distinct form and a use, name, form, use, Nama, Rupa, Vyavahara, but its entire existence depends on the constituent clay. True or false? Only a few of you seem convinced. <laughs> a clay pot. Look at this. A, a, a wooden lectern. A wooden lectern. Its entire existence depends upon the wood constitute, uh, constituting it. Proof. Take away the wood, the lectern would disappear immediately. Right? It has no existence. In fact, when I touch it, what do I say? Touch wood. I don't say touch lectern. Well, I know I'm touching wood only. I, I can conventionally say I'm touching a lectern or a podium. But I know physically I'm touching what the material, the material out of which it is made. So, entire existence of this piece of furniture is the wood constituting it. The material cause. The wood is called the material cause. In Sanskrit, upadana karana. And this using... Shankaracharya's terms, we will see now, this podium would be called karyam, effect, or he says vikara. Vikara means a modification of the material. So the podi podium is a modification of the constituent wood. Any modification, this is what he wants to say, any modification borrows existence from its constituent material. By the way, those, I am enjoying this. Uh, but those who are thinking, I wanted some religion. Let me go and get me some religion in my life. <laughs> what, have I, what have I landed up in? <laughs> Don't worry, all that will come. Devotion and meditation and um, ethics, all of those things will come slowly. But this is the central teaching. So what have we got so far? Anything that is a, a modification, an effect, depends on its Material cause for its existence. It borrows, a clay, bo a pot borrows existence from the constituent clay. This furniture borrows its existence from the constituent wood. Alright. I'll read out the original Sanskrit. You will like it. I'll translate, of course. Shankaracharya says, Vikaro hisa, any entity you see is an effect, modification. Vikaracha vyavicharati. Effects keep changing. Yatha ghatadi samsthanam chakshusha nirupyamanam mridvetirekena anupalabdehe asat. He says, just as a pot, which you can see with your eyes, you can see the form with your eyes, yet there will be nothing left there if you take away the clay. You will not perceive anything at all if the clay is taken away. Other than the clay, you cannot see the pot. Other than the pot, can you see the clay? Yes, you can see it as a lump of clay. If you break the pot, you can see it as a broken pot. The clay, in the, the clay you can see. In fact, all you are saying, seeing is clay. Literally, anything that your eyes are contacting is the clay itself. Okay. So what did he say? Just like, he gives an example, whenever he says yatha, it means just like. Just like the form of a clay seen by the eyes is not seen other than the, the form of a pot seen by the eyes is not seen other than the clay.
clay constituting the pot. Without that, no pot. Similarly, what does he want to say? Similarly, tatha, just like that. So in, when Shankaracharya is writing in Sanskrit commentaries, if there is a yatha, yatha means just like, look for the tatha, just like that. There he is going to make his point. Tatha, sarvo vikara karana anupalabdehe asat, uh, asan. Just like that, every effect, every product, vikara, has no existence, cannot be found, cannot be um, experienced without their constituent material. This is the, he says, asan, this, this is the very definition of falsity. So, what is his conclusion? Being an effect, being unable to exist, being unable, unable for exp, uh, unavailable for experience, unavailable for experience without its constituent cause, all these products are false. The term he uses asat in some in uh, plural asan in Sanskrit plural. Also. These ones did not exist before their creation and will not exist after the destruction. Remember, was not hot earlier, will not be hot afterwards. Is it getting hot? Do you need the fan? <laughs> Some borrowed. <laughs> he says, Janma pradhvangsa bhyam praguddham cha anupalabdhe. Not only are they not existent without their constituent materials, but before their creation also you could not see them. And after their creation also, they are not available for experience. Uh, after their destruction. Before destruction was not there. Before creation was not there. After destruction will not be there. Even when we say they are there, they are, they are not there without their constituent material. So this name and form, all these things are names and forms. These names and forms are appearances. They are not there before they were created. They will not be there after they are gone. And even when they are there, they are still appearances of their underlying material cause. But you will say, yeah, so the clay is there, right? But the clay is not there apart from its cause. In the Sanskrit, in the old cosmology, how is everything? The, the, the uh, uh, clay will not exist apart from the earth element. They talk about sky, fire, uh, uh, space, fire, uh, water, uh, air, uh, earth. So five elements. And today you can talk about um, matter as we understand it. So he says, So the clay does not exist without its cause. And that one does not exist without its cause. The clay is an appearance of its, of its cause. And that cause is an appearance of its underlying cause. And that is an appearance of its underlying cause. So he says, Mrida Clay, etc. Are clay and the whole sequence. Because the first one cannot be experienced without its underlying reality, underlying cause. And that one cannot be experienced without its underlying substance. And so on, the whole thing becomes an appearance. Then, question. So the guy who asked the question is very interesting. Often, just the question which comes to, maybe if you're following carefully, the same question will come to your mind. Are you saying everything will disappear then? Wait, just a minute. If you say that, if you do that, then we are, we are arriving at nothingness. Is everything from A to Z an appearance? That cannot be. The thing, whole thing must be grounded somewhere. You cannot infinitely borrow heat. 
it must have come from something which has intrins which is intrinsically hot similarly what is intrinsically existent existing shankaracharya says no it's not that everything is false or everything is an appearance there is a ground reality we are coming there now what is the ground reality he says every experience you have in every experience a pot experience a table experience man or woman or sky or earth whatever experience you have good and bad and pleasant and unpleasant in all the experiences there are two components this is very important there are two components what are the two components the there is the object of experience it's called vishaya sight sound smell taste touch these are the objects of sense experience and there is the experience of isness which we ignore you see when you see a what i what are you seeing you say clock what are you seeing now you say book what are you seeing now you say hand what shankaracharya says no 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 in each of these experiences the two components are there clock name and form clock is so clock is one experience and the other part of it is it exists it is do you do you experience it as existing or non existing existing you see it goes without saying what was your experience clock clock is book is hand is he says notice the objects of experience kept changing clock book hand the objects are different the clock is not a book the book is not a hand and the objects come and go they keep changing sometimes you see sometimes you hear sometimes you smell taste touch and what you see keeps cha changing how many things you have seen since the morning throughout your lifetimes how many things you have heard these keep changing but everywhere you have the continuous unchanging experience of isness now this continuous unchanging experience of isness very important this is a doorway to brahma gyana it is continuously available to us open it walk through vedanta is over for you finish right now yeah. don't need anything else but keep coming to the class anyway <laughs> does not work for you 18 there are 18 chapters so much vedanta i think enough for the next few years Uh, so this doorway what is the doorway i'll repeat again yours his her our own continuous experience of existence you see whose existence your existence could be mine could be anything that you see all the time we have an experience of existence now next he says these two experiences we have experience of the object and the experience of existence now when you experience something the experience is in you and what you are experiencing is out there common sense i'm experiencing a clock so i have an experience of a clock in in my awareness in my mind and there is a clock out there you see where this is going so if you are experiencing a clock and there's a clock there and you have an experience of a clock if you are experiencing clock is that isness experience corresponds to an isness reality There, you think there's a you feel there's a clock here is a clock there's a clock in your mind and a clock outside clock is that experience of isness in your mind in yourself and that corresponds to an isness outside 
in every item which you see he says there are two experiences the object itself and isness and they correspond to a reality there is an object and there is isness also now he says the object keeps changing they have borrowed existence the sense of isness does not change everywhere any experience you have you have the feeling of being isness then that isness which you in which is there in every object outside that unchanging isness is that intrinsic existence we are talking about that does not borrow exi existence from anything else that lends existence to everything remember it may sound abstract we are actually talking about our living experience every moment of our life is analyzing it that feeling of isness corresponds to a real isness which is there always that does not come and go so that which comes and goes we have already defined it asat appearance that does not come and go sat reality what is sat a reality that sense of isness corresponding to that there is a reality everywhere all the time let's read he says yad vishaya buddhi na vyavicharati tat sat that entity about which your experience does not change that is reality yad vishaya buddhi vyavicharati tad asat iti the object about which your experience keeps changing clock hand book that one is an appearance why because that has borrowed existence iti sadasad vibhage buddhi tantre sthite he says in this way in all our experiences which experience every experience you have in life till now and what you will continue to have you will have a continuous mixed experience of appearance and reality appearance and reality sad asat what is appearance names and forms what is reality isness what do you mean by isness track your own experience that sense of being astitva amness okay then he gives an example sanghata sanpata sanhasti iti evam sarvatra pot exists cloth exists elephant exists in shankara shankaracharya's context 1400 years ago yes so those are the common we might say suv exists that's the closest we can get to the elephant so exists then he says is 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 do you notice tayo buddheyo ghatadi buddhi vevicharati tatha cha darshitam natu sad buddhi and in these experiences you will see the object keeps changing the sense of isness does not change we club them together and we never notice the background isness shankaracharya is drawing our attention you think can it be that simple it's not but in essence it is pretty simple this is tasmat ghatadi buddhi vishaya asan vevicharat natu sad buddhi vishaya ab 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 vevicharat therefore that which corresponds to your changing experience clock book hand these are appearances why because they change what is the what's the problem with the change if they change their borrowed existence they cannot be real in themselves but your experience your experience everybody's continuous experience of isness 
points to a, it's not itself a reality, it points to the reality which cannot be expressed. It points to a reality. Why is it that real? Because it does not change. You never see it coming into being, you never see it disappearing. Which one am I talking about? It isness, amness. In Sanskrit, astitva, satta. Satta in Hindi means power, but here it means existence, being. Now, the person who's objecting is a funny guy. He's got all the good, tough questions. So he says, That's cool, but I've got questions. Number one, Gate Vinashte, Gata Buddha, questions we'll sometimes never think about also. He's a really smart guy. Gate Vinashte, Gata Buddha, Vevicharantyam, Sadbuddhiapi, Vevicharati, Eti Chet. He says, Just a minute. You said, Part exists, and you're making a distinction between the part, name, and form and the existence of it. Okay? It's yes. But then when the part is broken, part does not exist, the part experience goes, and I say existence also is gone because part is broken, part is gone now. So your existence is not, you, what will you say? Part is not. So your is has become is not. What do you say to that? He says, Na patadau api sadbuddhi darshanat. He says, No, but you can see it in the cloth, in the elephant, that isness continues. The isness continues. It's only the part, name, and form which has disappeared. Um, then the questioner asks a similar question. He says, "Just a minute." Sadbuddhi vad gata buddhi api gata antaradrishyati chet. He's funny. He says that, or oh, you say existence, the experience of isness continues because if the part is broken, the cloth is. You are saying, but then I can say that this part is broken, but my experience of part continues in another part. So part is the ultimate reality. Because everywhere there is part. <laughs> in this part I cannot say it's a part anymore. But just like you said, cloth is, elephant is, I can say this, the other part is, the, this, here is a part, here is a part. So part continues. So part is real. Part is the ultimate reality. That will become a part Vedanta. <laughs> Shankaracharya says, Na, padadu adarshanat. Because you cannot see you don't have the experience of a part in a cloth. You don't have experience of a part in an elephant. But you have the experience of isness in whatever exists. If you say there is something in which the experience of isness is not there, immediately it will not exist. It is not. You see? Logically speaking. He won't let go. He's like a bulldog. He's got hold of him. He's going to he said, just a minute. Let, let me clarify this. Sadbuddhi rapi nashte ghate na chet. You said, isness is everywhere. Here's a very important point coming up. You said, isness is everywhere. Fine. But when the pot is destroyed, you said, cloth exists, elephant exists. But in the destroyed pot, I don't see isness. I can no longer say pot is. That pot is gone. So there I don't see isness. Where is the isness? But it's, the, it's, it's not a, a superficial question. Suppose somebody asks, suppose everything in the universe is destroyed before the Big Bang or after the dissolution of the universe. In, in Hinduism we talk about cycles of existence, so there will be, there'll be times when the universe does not exist. Pralaya, the cosmic dissolution. Nothing is there. Then where is your existence? In the absence of all things, where is your existence? Just like that, in the absence of one part, where did your uh, precious existence go? Because we are saying, is part is not. Then he says, important point. 
न विशेष्यभावात् सद्बुद्धि विशेष विशेषण विषया सती विशेष्यभावे विशेषण अनुपपत्तो किं विषया स्यात् न तु पुनः सद्बुद्धे विशेष विषयाभावात् ओके ही सेस द ओनली वे वी कैन एक्चुअली एक्सपीरियंस दिस इजनेस इज इन एसोसिएशन विथ अ नेम एंड फॉर्म व्हाई बिकॉज दैट इजनेस इज नॉट रियली आउट देयर it's you yourself the pure subject all those things which you experience they borrow their isness from your own sense of being but to experience them you need an entity outside hmm. electricity is everywhere but suppose you say all the bulbs and the fans are they are all taken away no electrical appliances electricity is still there but how will you know it unless something is spinning something is magnifying sound something is shining you will not know the presence of electricity similarly to when all entities are destroyed it's not that existence has gone but existence has no more instances it still continues it still continues i i used an example um of light once i was talking about this in nalanda university in uh, not the old destroyed one there's a new one there so they had a seminar on buddhism and hinduism and jainism philosophies of consciousness so i was saying an analogous thing consciousness is appreciated understood experienced when you have something to be conscious of if there is an object you feel i am experiencing it if there are no objects to experience it's not that consciousness has disappeared it's that there is nothing to experience so experience of things has stopped so how to explain that i was thinking how to illustrate it and there was conference you know powerpoint projector so the powerpoint projector and the light there's an intense beam of light now the funny thing about that beam of light is you can see the picture on the screen but the the camera is there or the projector is up there on the ceiling you know what i'm talking about you have seen uh, from there to the screen an intense light is coming but if you see there it doesn't seem to be anything particular it's only when the speaker the presenter is walking through that beam suddenly you see the face shining with white light or something so what i said is right now in this spot there doesn't seem to be light it's just air but when i thrust my hand in there you see my hand shines with light when i remove my hand what happens to the light there it's still there but it's not shining because an object is not there when the object is there the light uh, one yeah, it reflects and you see the object one swami put it very beautifully what does the light do for the object it reveals the object what does the object we know this but what does the object do for the light it manifests an already existing light is it true right here you see i can show a little bit here also see if i remove it There's a light here. When I put my hand, you see how it's shining. Yeah. That light reveals my hand, but my hand manifests an already existing light. Similarly, names and forms manifest an always existing consciousness, uh, always existing ex- existence, being. Without the names and forms, the being is still there, but there's no way of experiencing it. That's what he's saying. Oh. now an another important question is raised i'm racing through it sort of i'm skipping a little bit
So you are saying that existence is the reality and the objects are appearances. To put it in more terms we are used to, existence means Brahman. Brahman is reality and objects means world. The world is false or universe is false. Or in Sanskrit, Brahma Satyam Jagat Mithya. Do you see how we have led up to that? You are saying this. The same entity in that you are saying the names and forms are appearances. The existence alone is real. Real because it is unchanging. The existence alone is real and it manifests these names and forms. It reveals or it, it gives existence, lends existence to the object. That's what you are saying. But this reality and falsity, they cannot exist together. How can the same thing be true and false at the same time? How can the same thing be true and false at the same time? This mic, is it true or false? True or false? The, the, the answer will be depends. You are asking from the point of view of Brahman existence? Yes, it is. You are asking about the mic name and form? Without the existence, it is not. Shankaracharya gives an example. Now, idam udakam iti marichyadu anyatara bhave api samanadhikaranya darshanat. Tasmat deha de dundasya sakaranasya satuna vidyate bhaviti. He says, in a mirage, you see two things at the same time. You say, this is water. Now, two things are there. That sense of this and water. Water is not there. The water that you see there is an appearance. But there is something there. Uh, hot air and the desert sand, that's there. So when you say this, it points to a reality. And when you say water, that's wrong. That water is not there. So a reality and an appearance exist together, coexist together. Yeah? A real desert and real water cannot coexist. But a real desert, desert I mean the sandy one, not the cake. I can never get the pronunciations. Dessert, yes. Dessert, yes. You, you won't know, it's very funny. Uh, there was a very senior Swami in um, St. Louis. He came to this country in the 1930s. 1930s, Swami Satprakashanandaji. He came to this country a long time ago. And um, I went to St. Louis in the Vedanta Society there. The, the room where that Swami used to stay, they've kept it exactly like that. So they don't disturb it. Guests are allowed to stay there, guest Swamis. So everything is there like the way it was in the... He died in the 1970s, I think. 70s. So it, the, everything is the way it was 50 years ago. So I was sort of rummaging around. And in one of the drawers, I saw a little notebook with pencil in, written in the 1930s. The Swami was trying to learn English, American English in those days. So one page says, with the English word and the Bengali meanings, desert, desert, desert. <laughs> uh, three things. In, in Bengali it's written, um, Morubhumi, that's the sandy place. And the other one is the sweet thing which you eat. And the other one, and the third one is what you deserve. You get what you de deserve. <laughs> and the whole notebook was painstakingly written with full of words from the dictionary which he was trying to learn. <laughs> so he says, Shankaracharya says, desert, 
is real. When you say this, there is something real there. But the water is not real. But what was your experience? This is water. One part of it is false, one part of it is correct. You say, book is. Book is an appearance, isness is correct. There is an isness. There is an isness running through all our experiences. Then he says, therefore, body, mind, external universe, all of them, they are appearances. Why? They are products. And the product are, are their modifications. They have no existence apart from their underlying causes. And the underlying causes have no existence apart from their underlying causes. All the way down to isness itself. They are all coming and changing and going, but ultimately down to isness itself. Tathacha atmana abhava avidya manata navidyate sarvatra vyavicharatiti avochama. Therefore, have we said that isness is uh, the absence of that isness cannot be conceived of. What is that isness? It is you. It's not really an isness out there. Objects, time, space, all of them. Time is. Space is. Objects, object is. Universe is. Time, space, universe, all are appearances of Maya. That underlying isness is the, is the stage on which the drama takes place, is the screen on which the movie of the universe is playing. And that screen, you are, that thou art. Yeah. Philosophy, how does it affect me? It is the highest spiritual practice. Highest spiritual practice. I was just reading Swami Vigyananandaji, one of the disciples of Sri Ramakrishna. He is saying to many to people, many, many years after Sri Ramakrishna passed away, he said, Keshab Sen, who was a great social reformer in India in those days, very well known, Brahmo Samaj. So, and he was very well known because he had actually traveled to England and met the queen in those days. So Sri Ramakrishna says to him, you have crossed the oceans and seen many lands, so many things you have seen. Have you not seen my divine mother who underlies everything in the universe? And Jagod Judeachin. My mother who is the reality of the entire universe. Have you not seen her? Do you not have eyes to see her? What does he mean by that? It is this isness awareness, which is the Divine Mother. Swami Vigyanandaji explaining is after that. He says, go on in spiritual life, advance, advance. You will see a vast radiance surrounding you all the time. And you will playfully, like a fish swimming in the ocean, you will playfully... You know, swim in this, in this vast, he calls it a vast radiance. It's here right now. We don't have eyes to see it. What is that vast radiance? It's nothing other than the infinite, unlimited isness awareness. The non-dualist. See, we say our language is meant for practical use. So it's a dualistic language. Table is, uh, book is, clock is. You know what the non-dualist would like to say? Isness tables here, isness clocks here, isness books here. It's not as silly as it appears. If you look at the ocean, a child might say, Oh, that wave has a lot of uh, water in it. This wave is small one, has less water in it. Which is more logical to say that waves have water in them or the water is appearing as waves? Waves do not have water in them. It is the water which appears in various waves, the waves arise in water, 
play about in water, disappear back into water. They are names and forms and activities in water. The water is absolutely one vastness there. In the same way, like water, can you conceive of, can you conceive of existence as an ocean? Now you see with new eyes, look around you, see existence as an ocean in which all people, all animals, all living and non-living things, including the stars and the planets, they are all waves in this ocean of existence. Ashtavakra says, Mai ananta maham bodhau vishwa vichi swabhavata udetu vastamayatu name vriddhi navakshati Now you'll understand. In me, the infinite ocean of existence, the waves of the universe arise and subside. Let the waves arise, I gain nothing thereby. Let the waves subside, I lose nothing thereby. When the, ocean, when the waves come up in the ocean, does the ocean increase? No. When the waves subside back into the ocean, does, has the ocean lost any volume of water? No. In the same way, let birth come, creation come, I have not increased one bit as existence. Let defeat, humiliation, old age, disease, decay and death come and destruction come. I have not lost one bit. I am still the same existence ever. Just think about the grandness and the claim is you can actually experience. Next he says, Those who understand the difference between the truth, these two. He says, Nirnaya, the conviction, clarity. Sad sadeva, asad asad eva. He says, the reality is real. This, the asad, the appearance is an appearance. I, the pure existence consciousness, I am real. That one, that I. And the body, mind, including the ego, and the body, and the external universe, is an appearance. Appearance of what? Of me. In a sense, all this is an appearance. In a sense, all this is me. If you say this is real, then yes, it is real as you. Because its reality depends on you. It's borrowed from you. But remember, by you, I don't mean this person. I mean that sense of isness awareness, sat chit, which we continuously experience in all our experiences. Then what do you have to do? Tvamapi tattvadarshinam drishti mashritya. He says, oh Arjuna, here Shankara is pitching in to help Krishna. He's saying, the Krishna, uh, Arjuna, should, what should he do? Take up this viewpoint. Take up this viewpoint. Tattvadarshi means a knower of reality. Take up the viewpoint of the knower of reality in your life. Shokam moham chahitva. Arise above delusion and sorrow. I am asan eva. All the waves that come in your life say that they are appearances like marichi jalavat, like the water of a mirage. Manasi nishchitya titikshaswa. With this clarity, with this conviction, he says, go back to the earlier verse. He said, all the afflictions in life, what had he said, what's the solution? He said, put up with them. How will you put up with them? With this clarity and conviction. This is how you live your life and do whatever has to be done. It gives you enormous freedom. Nothing here. I was thinking, 
that professor, the lady in the university NYU, she said this, this is very poetic Sanskrit, but what she said was uh, the uh, entire universe of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, objectival and objective entities is contained in one inclusive, within the boundaries of one inclusive, a perspective ground of consciousness. <laughs> but, but uh, so this is what, what he's saying. I'll end with one monk I know in the, in the Rishikesh, uh, Haridwar. So there was a great teacher. He was teaching about Vedanta and he didn't know much about modern science. So somebody had shown him an x-ray and he said, I saw this, oh monks. We were all sitting around, oh monks. I saw this, a light which goes through the skin and the blood and the flesh and to the bones, to the very bones. He says, exactly like this. I love the way he would bring all these examples back to Vedanta. Exactly like this should be your vision. You know, like supervision, Superman. Not to see through to the bones. He says, see through to reality. He says, Mahatma ki drishti aisi honi chahiye. The vision, the perspective. It has nothing to do with the physical vision. Your perspective, the perspective of a monk, of a practitioner of non-dualism should be like this. Keep your attention on the unchanging reality. And enjoy the movie, the ever-changing ever waves of the ocean which you are. You are the ocean. Why are you so worried about little waves? Rise above the little. Nothing can affect you. It can affect the body. But you are not the body. The body is a wave in you. Instead of thinking, I am a tiny spark of, tiny spark of consciousness in an uncaring vast universe of eternal time and space. All the time and all the space and all the conscious and non-conscious entities are little waves and bubbles in you. This is not megalomania. It says it, it, can, it is a, actually an open secret. Vivekananda called it an open secret. Continuously available to us. It requires a change in perspective. Today, towards the end, after the end of the discussion in the university, one problem the philosophers had, the lady who presented it did a good job. But see, the, she, she, she gave examples of Ramana Maharshi and Nisargadatta and others in that mystic experience, they have experienced the oneness. Now, when you, the moment you say that, what happens is the evidence then becomes locked up in the hands of a few people. The question will be, why should I believe you? Somebody was repeatedly asking, this is an enormous claim you are making. Where is the evidence for this? There is another approach which Shankaracharya uses here. I am not talking about mystical experience. You will have that also. Take a completely analytical point of view. Take a completely analytical point of view. That will reveal an ever-revealed reality here. The non-dualists in the Himalayas, they say, praptasya prapti nivrittasya nivritti. What will Vedanta do to you? What will you get from Vedanta? What you have already got. It gives you what you have already got. And what does Vedanta remove? What problem does it solve? It solves a problem that was never there. Praptasya prapti nivrittasya nivritti. Yeah. Yes. Uh, how did you go there? No, you're, you're right. You're right. That's the ultimate answer. But how did you, I'm interested in knowing how, why? Because of the, the, the part and the, the part is just an effect. So there has to be a cause. Yes. So the clay is the, clay is the material cause of the part. In the same way, Brahman is said to be the material cause of this universe. But you said Brahman is not the cause of the universe. Why did you say that? Ah, you're right. If it's an appearance, 
See, if um, if something, a seed germinated and it made a beautiful plant. So you can say the seed is the cause of the plant. Correct? It's the material which became the plant. But you say the seed made a beautiful plant. Where is it? No, in my dreams. If you say the plant is in my dreams, then you will say the seed, that seed is not the cause of the plant in your dreams because that plant does not exist. So if the universe is an appearance, then the question will arise, what is Brahman a cause of? What did it produce? What did it create? Nothing. Brahman alone remains. There is no universe that was created. There is no universe that was created. But it is experience. That's the joy of it. When King Kong comes and uh, climbs the Empire State Building, I saw the movie when I was a kid. Now, all of that happened. You had the experience. But actually King Kong did not come into the movie hall. Uh, no. In the same way, what happens here is an experience created by your Maya. It's your glory. Within you, the existence consciousness. So is Brahman materially a cause of the universe? Is it a creator God? No. It is the universe. And it is you. Yes. Yes. From Brahman's perspective. Yeah. Right. No time, no space. In fact, when you say eternal, Brahman is eternal. You've already accepted time. And then you say, but actually even time, look at the logic. Will you say time is, the moment you say time is, then the isness becomes real and it's appearing as time. Yeah. Space, if you say space is, space depends on isness. Because without is, space will disappear. You might say, people might say, it's a word game you are playing. No, because continuously the reference is to your experience. Look at your own experience. How can you say it's a word game? So this Brahman you are, that is the central teaching that Krishna is giving Arjuna. Now there are many, many issues which will come up here. Yes, so that will be discussed. 18 chapters are there, plenty of time. Uh, down to, uh, yes, we'll end with that question. Yes. Ah, so you step down one uh, one step, uh, then Brahman. This very Brahman becomes what is called in Vedanta the Saguna Brahman, uh, which is the creator of the universe, which through the power of Maya doesn't create exactly, projects the universe. If you want an explanation, but um, Vedanta will tell you that's a story. If you want a story, yes. What Vedanta tells you is. All the things in the dream, which you see in your dream, yeah. the people and the plants and the, the places, were they really created by you or imagined by you? They were imagined by you. So you're not really their creator in that sense. No, no things were created. They're projected by you in your own mind. All the time when you see those places, when you meet those people in your dreams, they're none other than you. Similarly, this entire universe which we are experiencing is none other than Brahman. If it was other than Brahman, if it's at all possible, then you could say Brahman created something apart from itself. But it did not. And it cannot be other than Brahman. Can you tell me why? If Brahman is, is, then other than Brahman will become? Is not, yes. You're good, good Vedantins now. 
other than is 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 not apart from is 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 not then we will not exist will not exist at all yes ah the question of why why uh, this has come up again and again uh, why there are many many answers i'll give you a few take take your pick we'll end with that it's a very profound question in fact today in the university uh, one place it got stuck is so that you are saying this one again the same thing a perspectival ground of consciousness yes and from that the many have come how why and she was struggling to answer that and it it's it's unfair to expect somebody to answer that immediately what we have been struggling over for thousands of years immediate but you see what's the the beauty is this all the questions the difficult ones also are exactly the right questions to ask that means for the first time in new york university with the top philosophers of the world they are going through a question answer process on the track where thousands of years ago uh, advaitins tibetan buddhists um, the the dualists who were opponents of the advaitins they are having the exact same debate with the exact same questions only in sanskrit so your question is why i'll give you a few candidates see if you like it one is the theory of the standard answer is given karma why does this world exist because of your own karma our collective karma where did this collect collective karma come from our past lives yeah but where did that world come from your past life world because of the earlier life you will say then where did the first life come from and you will say no there is no such first life it's beginningless you'll say it's a cop out you're beginningless how can they be beginningless there is an answer to that also but let's switch switch to the next answer the next answer is it is brahman's play because it can uh, alan watts i've told you the story alan watts uh, said um, god alone existed it's a child children's story but i really like it a very profound story he said god alone existed eternity to eternity but eternity is a pretty long time so god got bored it's lonely now god wanted a play uh, some uh, a buddy to play with but how can god get somebody to play with because god is alone there's only god there's nothing else other than god and there cannot be remember is will become is not so how does god get somebody to play around with who will be god's buddy then god being god this is alan mercer's explanation is god is awfully clever because he's god so he he got an idea god pretended to be not god now there are two god and god pretending to be not god so the game started who what's the game there is god pretending to be not god what's that people and trees and plants and universe stars and planets and the problem became because god is god he is awfully good at what he does so when he pretended to be not not god he forgot that he was god and then what was a play beca- became a nightmare and now god is who is pretending to be not god and forgotten that he is god suffering so much is trying to search for god and this is the story of the universe beautiful story really all of vedanta packed into that candidate would you would you like this story and you say yeah it's poetic but playing god plays why would god want to play all right now we are getting serious one more option the last but one 
is what standard answer in advaita maya maya so god has this power which allows god or let's not use the word god brahman isness has this power which allows isness to appear as many forms clock is table is sky is earth is water is man is mind is thoughts isness appears in all these forms because isness has that power to project itself it's like a blank screen which has the power to project movies upon itself consciousness can have that power that is the nature of consciousness now um what is the question will arise then is it non dual how can that power does that power exist or does it not if it does not exist you can't have the universe if it exists then are two things which are isness and power is but that power has no existence apart from isness so it's non dual it's like they call it like the fire and the burning power of fire that's an explanation you might say even then why infinite existence could the physicist lawrence cross said this is a children's question they keep asking why 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 till the last solution is go to bed <laughs> but vedanta does not say go to bed it says the question itself is wrong if you ask why maya the question itself is wrong why is the question wrong it took me a long time to understand shankaracharya vivekananda they all dismiss it question is wrong why is the question wrong i can ask why and so saying go to bed <laughs> there is an answer to that look at what you are asking this is about causation you are asking about cause you are asking why maya but what is maya according to vedanta maya is time space causation now suppose you ask you can, the, it's wrong because you cannot ask why why when you ask why what kind of answer will will satisfy you a cause why did it ra- why is the grass wet because it rained why did it rain because of the clouds and so on so when you say why maya you need a because answer why did brahman become the universe or even appear as the universe why is brahman even playing if you asking that what answer will satisfy you a because answer but a because answer works only after causation if you ask a question about causation itself why causation it's not a logically correct question why for example time space and causation it's like asking what is there outside space outside and inside are space terms once you have accepted space uh, then you can ask outside or inside but space itself what is outside is no no way of you know, outside means some space is there outside but no time if you ask what was there before time but before and after are time words they make sense only when time has started so only when causation has started downwards after maya then the question is why this thing happened why that thing happened but why maya happened why did brahman appear as the universe the question itself is logically wrong am i making logical sense if not psychological sense but logical sense <laughs> it makes logical sense are you do you see i'll make psychological sense also <laughs> swami trigunathitananda he gave a beautiful answer a same question was asked he said his answer is more de- it's a really s- deeply spiritual answer he said on this side of maya on this side of enlightenment we have the question and there's no answer possible on the other side they have the answer but no question is there <laughs> notice enlightened people anybody you consider to be enlightened ramana maharshi or nisargadatta the lady was speaking about them or ramakrishna or vivekananda one thing have you ever noticed 
Do they ever say, okay, I'm enlightened now, I'm a knower of Brahman, I'm free and all of that. But one problem still remains. Why this thing has happened? <laughs> they seem to have, the question seems to have disappeared for them. We'll end here. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastu. In fact, the answer that lady gave the professor was the final answer, which I did not mention. I'll just quickly mention it to you. Gaudapada in Mandukya Karika. He considers all these answers. Why Brahman is appearing as the universe. And he rejects them all, including the Maya. And then finally he comes to Devasya Esha Swabhavayam. This is the very nature of the shining one. There is no doubt that isness is there. That's the reality. And there's no doubt we are experiencing this variety. So that isness is shining forth in all these ways. It's the very nature of that. This is not what she said. She said in this way. She said, this question comes because we think of that reality as an emptiness. But in all the scriptures, it is th thought of as a plenum, as an infinity. As everything is there in an unexpressed state, and then it gets expressed. You're asking, why does the sun shine? It's a very nature. The process of fusion produces heat and light. Same of, about Brahman. It's a very nature of Brahman to shine forth in all these ways. Okay. <laughs>